Chapter Eight of Francisco Pizarro and the Conquest of Peru by Frederick A. Ober. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: A Glance at the Peruvians. In order to understand the nature of this enterprise projected by Pizarro, to grasp its magnitude and fully comprehend its perils, we should pause a while before proceeding with him into the unknown country and inform ourselves as to its resources how did it differ from any other portion of south america and why was this territory better worth invading than any other in the first place it was unique in its geographical situation physical conditions and natural resources it seemed as though nature had outdone herself in creating the stupendous andes with peaks rising more than twenty thousand feet into the clouds and stored with an inexhaustible supply of precious metals a continuous mountain chain or cordillera ran almost parallel with the trend of the coast between which and this backbone of the continent exists every variety of tableland or elevated plain fertile valley gloomy gorge ravine and arid desert country the ancient empire of the incas which pizarro had so audaciously invaded was comprehended within the present limits of peru and overlapped its northern boundaries it extended from two or three degrees north of the equator to thirty-seven or thirty-eight south of it and from the pacific on the west to the headwaters of the amazon on the east perhaps we might better say that its boundaries except on the pacific were indeterminate since no obstacle of a physical nature seemed sufficient to deter the warlike incas in their territorial conquests in the second place this wonderful region with every variety of climate from torrid to frigid was occupied by an equally wonderful people who during the lapse of centuries had developed a civilization state or condition of refinement unequalled by that of any other aboriginal nation on the american continent the aztecs of mexico in some respects surpassed these incas of peru or rather they adopted and adapted the civilization of former peoples as the toltecs and the mayas of yucatan with their hieroglyphics and unsurpassed architecture but they were not upon the whole so advanced but for their thought-carrying picture writings and their astronomical system both probably inherited from the toltecs the aztecs might be classed second to the incas in civilization the truth is that each nation had advanced along special lines the one excelling the other in some things but in general culture the peruvians probably surpassed the mexicans each nation had developed in absolute ignorance of the other separated as were these two peoples by central america and the isthmian region but if they had been conjoined they might have risen to a plane hardly inferior to that occupied by some of the old world monarchies had there been any sort of communication between the two during the years in which the conquest of mexico and the west indies was being achieved the fate of peru might have been different from what it was as history informs us not a hint however reached the peruvians of what was going on outside their mountainous domain save that vague rumour now and then disturbed them with the tidings of strangers in armour and with wonderful weapons landing on the isthmus and flitting along their coast within their limitations the peruvians had evolved a most admirable system of government more admirable in fact than that which the spaniards imposed in its place they had made great advances in agriculture for not only had they cultivated the fertile valleys and plains but they had terraced the sides of hills and mountains and vivified the waste and desert places by conducting to them the waters of springs and mountain streams through aqueducts some of which were hundreds of miles in length they were also strange to say the only aborigines of america who were found in possession of domestic animals utilized as beasts of burden 
for as we know there were no horses or cattle native to this country within the historic period the nearest approach to them were the llamas or american camels which however the peruvians valued more for their fleece than as means of transport then there were the alpacas and vicunas which existed in a wild state in the mountains and snowy regions and were only gathered together at stated intervals by great hunts in which fifty or sixty thousand men took part but the llamas were domesticated and from their fleece and that of the alpacas and vicunas were woven cloths of finest texture which were dyed in beautiful and permanent colours the status of a people is generally judged by their architecture and herein the peruvians did not fall short of the standard for while the dwellings of the masses were humble huts of clay or straw perhaps those of the inca and the nobles were massively constructed of stone the country contained numerous temples and palaces which though but a single story in height were built of immense blocks of granite fitted together so nicely that the lines of junction could hardly be perceived these vast masses of stone were sometimes quarried many leagues distant from the places in which the buildings were erected and working without the assistance of machinery so far as known the wonder is how the ancient peruvians removed and placed them in position the same wonder assails us when we contemplate the remains of their magnificent roads with which the country was crossed one of these is said to have been two thousand miles in length and not only traversed vast stretches of valley and plain but was carried over mountains and across ravines and gorges the cities of quito and cuzco were thus united by a road three hundred leagues in length twenty-five paces in breadth enclosed within parapets and watered at intervals by clear running streams as well as shaded by odoriferous trees it was composed of great blocks of freestone accurately fitted together and as smooth as glass on their upper surfaces when deep ravines were encountered they were filled with masonry and streams that ran through gorges were crossed by means of hammock or suspension bridges made of osiers woven into ropes and cables such bridges as these are in use to-day and afford the only means of crossing those wild mountain streams which flow at abysmal depths between almost perpendicular walls of rock along the great stone highways at intervals corresponding to a day's journey comfortable stone houses were erected supplied with every necessity for the traveller and being intended mainly for the army containing not only provisions such as maize and coca but articles of clothing arms and martial equipments and all these great works were performed by a people wholly unacquainted with the use of iron whose tools were merely of stone or of copper hardened with an admixture of tin gold and silver they had in abundance but they did not make use of either as money only for the purpose of ornamentation the palaces of the inca and the temples though severely massive as to their exteriors without windows arches or columns glittered inside with gold and sometimes were ablaze with gems the ruler and his nobles ate with their fingers which as the old saying runs were made before forks but they were served from massive gold and silver plate while the imagination of their artisans ran riot in producing unique forms of ewers vases bracelets anklets finger and earrings and other articles of personal adornment allusion has already been made to their skill in making artificial flowers of gold and silver which exactly imitated the originals they were also proficient in casting golden statues some of them life-size and in sculpture in the mechanical arts where patience and close attention were required they greatly excelled but their system of numeration was imperfect and in astronomical law they were deficient though they possessed a rude calendar spacing the year into twelve lunar months and made solar observations with some degree of accuracy 
they possessed no written records no picture writings or hieroglyphic chronicles but their place was supplied in a measure by the kipu a contrivance consisting of a main cord from which hung at certain distances smaller cords of different colours each having a special meaning as silver gold corn soldiers etc single double and triple knots were tied in the smaller cords representing definite numbers this kipu or cord was chiefly used for arithmetical purposes and to register important facts or events but it served only to keep in mind the ideas with which each colour or knot was associated it thus assisted the memory of the chroniclers who preserved the annals of the country by oral tradition passed from one generation to another was it not natural that dwelling beneath or near the equator the peruvians should particularly honour the sun-god they not only worshipped the sun but they claimed that their first great ruler and his successors descended from that luminary myth and fable enshroud their origin but their earliest tradition relates to this celestial origin when the son and daughter of the orb of day in the persons of manco capac and mama Uela huaco came to earth and founded the city of cuzco thus cuzco became their capital and here was erected the glorious temple of the sun known also as the place of gold because of a great golden effigy of the sun consisting of a central face of burnished gold with numerous blazing rays radiating to roof and walls and floor of the temple it was of solid gold but was also studded with gems forming a beautiful and brilliant apparition of the deity from whom the incas had descended boasting this celestial origin the inca capac great or powerful lord considered himself vastly superior to the common herd and by his subjects was so regarded he was their ruler their master in every sense holding in his hands their lives and literally their fortunes in course of time the inca became surrounded by a vast number of nobles who could trace their origin to the original capac through an innumerable company of concubines but he was always supreme even the nobles could not approach this celestial presence save with bowed and uncovered head and bearing burdens on their shoulders in token of submission and inferior station being the high priest of the people as well as their monarch all the temples and palaces were his and these were numerous throughout the land they were as already indicated adorned with golden statues cornices and every variety of ornament hung with gold fringed tapestries and furnished with gem-studded plate of gold while the inca usually held aloof from the commonalty he sometimes showed himself to his abject subjects on which occasions they were dazzled by the display he made of gold and jewels the common people were not permitted to accumulate any sort of wealth whatever all the gems and precious metals being reserved for the inca even the lands they so assiduously cultivated were held by them only on sufferance and while the laws of the country compelled every man and woman to marry at a certain age and set up a household by themselves they owned neither home nor soil their lives were dedicated to labour but they accumulated nothing though at the same time no person was permitted to want for the necessaries of life the agriculturalists tilled the soil first for the inca then for the sun finally for themselves and the proceeds were apportioned accordingly Likewise, the artisans, the weavers of wool, the dyers, the gold and silversmiths, the potters, miners, masons, all worked for the enrichment of the state, which was, in effect, the Inca. The laws were few in number, but strictly enforced, and death was the penalty for theft, murder, blasphemy, arson, adultery, and rebellion. 
human life lost its sacred character in a land ruled by a despot who could slay at will and without question but while the peruvians were scarcely more than mere human machines made orderly and industrious by compulsion they were carefully nurtured by the state which made their welfare continually the object of its solicitude the products of their lands and looms were carefully collected and stored in government warehouses whence such as were needed were redistributed the surplus being left for future demand thus it was that when the spaniards reached peru and penetrated the interior they found vast supplies of grain clothing etc accumulated by the provident and far-seeing government under direction of the inca and his nobles in one sense the life led by the peruvians was ideal inasmuch as the people were removed from want shielded in youth and sheltered in old age but it was not a life calculated to encourage ambition or personal effort so that while they had reached a certain stage of culture there they remained fixed like a vessel becalmed in a stagnant sea the common people who composed the bulk of peru's teeming population did not need to think for their thinking was done for them by the state yet the inca and his nobles who represented the brain and mind of this vast body politic were not peculiarly fitted for directing the energies of the people the mechanism had been formed for them centuries before and they merely kept it in motion when as happened after the spanish invasion the hand and head that guided the machinery were removed the whole system fell into confusion the people were paralyzed by the capture of their inca for that was a mischance they had not contemplated and before they had recovered and ranged themselves under new leaders the spaniards had secured a hold which could not be shaken off thus the peruvians defeated themselves more surely than they were defeated by the spaniards or rather they were crushed by their own system of government which once its foundations were undermined fell with a crash involving both the nobility and the commonalty in universal ruin one of the most energetic of the incas flourished towards the end of the fifteenth century his name was yupanqui and he extended the territory of peru from near the present borders of chile to the southern boundary of ecuador he was assisted by his son huayna capac who at the death of his father which occurred in the last decade of that century which witnessed the discovery of america by columbus carried his conquests far beyond quito this city was made the most important of the many conquests made by the peruvians and rivalled in its attractions cuzco the capital with which the conqueror connected it by one of those wonderful roads already mentioned after a long and successful reign during which he extended to the utmost the limits of his kingdom and perfected many of the great works commenced by former rulers huayna capac died and his embalmed body was borne to cuzco where it was deposited in the temple of the sun in that magnificent pantheon where the darkness was dispelled by the refulgent rays of the great golden sun typical of their celestial ancestry all the incas who had ever reigned were ranged against the walls their desiccated bodies were clothed in royal robes and seated in chairs of gold with bowed heads and hands crossed on their breasts some of them had sat there for centuries except that on the occasion of certain religious festivals they were brought out into the light of day and entertained at ghastly banquets the body of huayna capac was taken to cuzco but his heart was retained in quito which in his latter years was his favourite place of residence there had lived also his favourite wife daughter of the last king of quito whom he had conquered and dethroned by her he had a son whom he named atahualpa a word derived it is said from atwa valor and alpa meaning sweet 
he loved atahualpa who went with him on his campaigns and was bright fearless and handsome his mother had been a princess of quito and when on his deathbed the inca thought to make reparation for depriving her father of his throne by making her son ruler over the northern portion of the kingdom but he had another son who alone was the rightful heir to the crown and whose mother was not only the inca's wife but his sister this was in accordance with the immutable law of the incas repulsive as it may seem and though huena capac had a multitude of lesser wives in his harem the number of whose children was legion he had but one legal wife his sister and left but one lawful heir to the throne at his death this was huascar inca then residing in cuzco and about thirty years old in the eyes of the law then atahualpa was illegitimate but to him at his father's death was left the kingdom of quito while to huascar remained the greater portion of the empire still it was then a divided empire and though for a few years the brothers continued in amicable relations after a while atahualpa the younger became aggressive and invaded the dominions of huascar the latter marched against him with an army but the younger and more warlike Atahualpa had won the hearts of his veterans, and the elder was defeated. The battle was fought at Tumebamba, one of Huascar's cities, the inhabitants of which were all put to the sword by the revengeful Atahualpa. Driven back towards Cuzco, Huascar rallied his troops for the defence of their sacred capital, and another and more terrible battle took place, in which he was utterly defeated and taken prisoner. End of chapter 8